We are in a series called Rooted, and what we are talking about is we're going through this rooted workbook as well, and you can, I think we have four left, so if you want to go through the workbook with us, you can. There's uh, some in the back there, and then we also have launched our small group, so they're all going, and they're all thriving, and I'm super excited about that, and like 80% of us are in them, so I'm very, very happy about that, and uh, so if you are not in a small group but would still like to join us, or actually if you're in a small group as well, the way we're going to do it is, so tomorrow is day one of week two, so there's a little devotional in that book, Uh, Week one was just an introduction. Week two is the question of who is God, which I'll be preaching on this morning, and we'll be done uh, with that sermon in 14 hours, because that's how long it's going to take. No, I'm kidding. We're going to just touch on the idea of who is uh, God, and hopefully I'll give you a perspective of who God is that um, uh, will encourage you this week. But uh, so Monday, tomorrow is week two, who is God, day one. And so uh, when you get to your small group, if, you, if your small group's on Tuesday nights, um, then you would, be, you would have done your day two there and so on. So I'll keep explaining it if you have questions. But the goal is that at the end of this 10 weeks, we get into what we call the rhythms of rooted And the rhythms of Rooted are this. They're daily devotion. That's why we do day one, day two. There's five uh, a week. So that gives you two days to catch up if you have have meetings uh, early in the morning or whatever, or you just have a really stressful day, you can get caught up. But daily devotion, prayer with your group or on your own, there'll be a prayer experience that I hope will stretch you a little bit in your prayer life. Uh, There's repentance, repenting to God and repenting to each other, basically not having a list of things that are weighing you down. Uh, If anyone's been in recovery, you know exactly what that is like, Um, uh, this idea of just making amends. Uh, We do that with each other and with God. Uh, Generosity, I don't know of a mature Christian. I do not know one mature Christian that is not a generous giver. and then uh, serving, uh, so whether it's in children's ministry or children's ministry or whether you just want to like serve in children's ministry, uh, any of those would be fine. Um, sharing your story, uh, and that is just, you think, oh no, do I have to have a sandwich board with John 3.16 and a bullhorn and tell everyone that uh, they're sinful? Uh, yes, and we'll teach you how to make your sandwich board. No, we won't do that, but it's just sharing any story like you would uh, anything that's changed your life, right? And so we'll talk about that, and then finally is worship. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, who is God? And um, so I understand, because I've been around for a long time, uh, that the concept of God is just very broad. And maybe you came from a background uh, that your family, they didn't ever even talk about God. They were not even atheists, they were agnostic or what have you, but they just had a perspective of life, of morality or whatever. Maybe you came from a Catholic background 
And so your idea of religion or God was very structured. Uh, the priest was, um, you know, kind of the high up there, the, your, your father and the Pope and all those types of things. Or you might have come from a Buddhist background or Hindu background, a Muslim background or what have you. And all those expressions are, are, are concepts of God and touch on different attributes of who God is. So the, the, the way I look at God, for me personally, there's really one verse that kind of, if, if you had to say, John, how do you think about God in a generic sense? Not forgetting about Jesus and religion and all those things, just God. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 55. We've, I've preached on this verse many, many times. But it says this, and this kind of gets it to brass tacks, if you will. God is saying this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So, you can understand this if you are a parent, or you've ever dealt with children, and the, your kid wants to understand, why can't I have ice cream for breakfast? And you tell them, you explain to them about diabetes, you explain to them about uh, tooth decay, you explain everything, everything. They cannot, they are just going, You're, I hate you. I hate this house. I hate everything about you. And, and, and you want so badly to tell them, my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> Neither are your ways my ways right? That's what you want to tell a kid. Maybe you've had this happen to you. You thought you understood, let's say you're single, and you're looking at all these crazy married people, and you say, oh, when I get married, it's going to be different. We're going to have date night Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He's going to cook on Tuesday, Thursdays. I'm going to cook the other days. We're going to share all the responsibilities. He's not going to love football. He's just gonna, it's just gonna be wonderful. And then we're gonna look into each other's eyes and in the morning, we'll roll over and we'll look into each other's eyes and our hair will be perfect and our breath won't stink from garlic that we had the night before from whatever he cooked. And so, and it's just gonna be awesome. And then you get married and you're like, what is this animal that I've married? I'm talking to the women right now, okay? What is this animal? Like, what is he, does he have any manners at all? You're calling his mom, like, what did, did you do anything? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Maybe you've had it with kids. I used to, before I had kids, I would see people with kids, and I'm like, come on, man. You got to control those little hoodlums, right? <laughs> if, when I have kids, they're going to be behaved. They're going to dress nice. We're going to get to every place on time. Uh, they're going to play sports and be the star. And uh, then you have kids, right? And you realize, I don't know what I'm doing. All right. Uh, this happened to me when I became a pastor. Uh, I was in business for 16 years. And uh, so I was on the board of the church. I was president of our church board. And I was very involved as a lay leader, as you should, um, like maybe children's ministry or what have you. And uh, I, I did all, the, all these things, served in so many different ways, right? And I would, I would butt heads with the pastor, like, hey, man, you know, we got to do this and that and whatever. And then I became a pastor. <laughs> and I called my pastor. I was two weeks into it. And this is how the conversation went. Bro, I am so sorry. 
I'm so sorry, right? Because I, I didn't know what it was like to be a pastor. So, so the way God does this is he says, look, you're, basically your thoughts are lame and th- they're not like my thoughts and your ways are shake my head, right? right? And then, but then he goes one step further and this is the verse that really helps me understand God because he says, look, they're not just a little bit different. My thoughts are not just like adjacent to your thoughts. And my ways aren't just your ways adjacent. Mm-mm. As the heavens are higher than the earth. We got a new telescope now. Have you seen the images of the new telescope? Right? That far. As far as that is from the earth. I mean, we, we, we could see the moon and we knew that was far. We see the sun, that was far. But now it's like, whoo, that's really far. God's going, yeah, you're getting closer to how far my thoughts are from your thoughts and how far my ways are from your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This helps me understand God. Because the pit I fall into and the pit you fall into and if you're watching online the pit you fall into and if someone heard this sermon and shared it with you and now you have to listen to it because you have to tell them that you listen to it the thing you fall into as well is that you think if I were God I would do it differently what's up with all the pain and suffering if I were God if I were a parent if I were married if I were a pastor, if I were a boss, if I were a police officer, if I were whatever it is, I just know that if I were, I would do it differently. And you would do it differently, and you'd do it wrong. (laughs) God does it right. How do you explain suffering then? I don't know. I have kind of a, a theology that I work through that works for me, but it's hard, and I don't think I'll ever understand it why little kids might suffer. I can't wrap my head around that. But I know that as far as the heavens are from the earth, God is working something. He's doing it for a reason. He's allowing it for a reason. And I don't know all the reasons. If, um, here's a famous verse that you've probably heard that you've seen on athletes sometimes. We know that God, uh, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, if we actually believe this, then we know that, look, I can't explain why God would do it this way. I can't explain this, but I know that he's gonna work this out for our good. You all know my story. You all know me and Lisa's story of our son dealing with epilepsy and hundreds and hundreds of seizures. And in the midst of that, I did not know why God was allowing that. I had no idea. I quit my job and became a pastor. That's the very thing you think will get you out of stuff like that, right? You promise God stuff or you do something that's a sacrifice and you think, cool, God's going to really show favor on me. And then that happens. And you have to rethink your theology. And pain does that. And difficulty does that. Makes you reassess your theology. And so he says, all things work together for good for those who are according to his purpose. There's a famous story in the Bible with Joseph. Remember the, I don't know if you saw the multicolored coat or the coat of the technicolor coat or whatever they call it now. But basically, Joseph got, got like his brothers tried to kill him. And if you read the story and you were one of his brothers, you'd be like, yeah, I probably would have tried to kill my brother too. Because he'd wake up every morning, he'd have breakfast and he'd go, I had a great dream. 
You guys were all under my authority, and I was ruling over you. Oh, and plus, I got this coat that dad gave me. Did he give you one? Oh, he didn't? Oh, yeah. And the brothers are just like, you're gone. If I were a brother, I'd be like, How, I'll help dig the pit, right? So he goes, and he gets, he goes into the pit. They're going to kill him. Slave traders come, pick him up. He goes into slavery. He starts doing really well as a slave, and this guy Potiphar, rich landowner, gives him, makes him CEO of the corporation. And he's doing nothing but God's will. So much so that Potiphar's wife, who we don't know if she was attractive or not, but she's kind of coming on to Joseph. Like, hey, my husband's gone, you know. He's got the berry white going, candles going, you know, all, all that stuff, setting the mood, you know. And Joseph's like, no, I'm not going to do that to Potiphar. I'm not going to do that to my God. And you think, oh, good, God will really bless him for that. He goes to prison, and he's in prison. You think, oh, oh, man, what's going to happen there? And he interprets some dreams, and they forget about him. And finally, he becomes, he's high up there. But through that whole process, can you imagine his theology? Like, bro, God, what are you doing? I'm doing everything right. We hear from Joseph at the end. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. His ways are higher, so then do not be afraid. Finally, we see this in uh, Romans 5.3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance in one translation, it says proven character. In this one, it's just character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame or disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. So you say, you have this suffering on the one hand, and then you have God's love on the other. How does that combine? I don't know. His ways are higher than our ways as far as the heaven is from the earth. James says it this way, and then we'll move into our parable. Consider it pure joy. <laughs> When you, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That just doesn't sound right. That's kind of dumb. Like I wouldn't, why would you consider it joy? It sounds like masochistic. But God's ways are higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are, 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 are different. And he says, no, 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 trust me on this. Because you know the testing of your faith produces something. It produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So, or not lacking anything. So, um, in order to talk about God, what I wanted to do was talk about one of my favorite parables in the Bible. It's only in the book of Luke. Sometimes parables are in many different um, uh, uh, books, uh, different gospels, right? So you could have a parable in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. Uh, this one's just in Luke. And uh, it's Jesus's way of trying to express to some people who God is. Or in his case, and in our case, removing the language of God and inserting the language of our Heavenly Father. And that, just that little shift from God to our Heavenly Father is important for a couple reasons. One, it personalizes God. He's not just a far-off being that doesn't care, that wound up the world and the universe and just let it play out like an ant farm. You ever have an ant farm? You buy the thing, you put the ants in there, and you just watch them eat each other, and you're like, man, this is cool, right? God doesn't do that. God is a personal God. 
And he's also a father, which means he cares about you. And you say, well, if he cares about me, why am I going through X, Y, or Z? I don't know. His ways are higher than your ways. And his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So Jesus is trying to explain this. And he, he uses one example and he says, this guy has 100 sheep and one sheep is lost. So he leaves the 99 and he brings the one sheep back. And he's rejoicing because he got his sheep back. And he has a big party. Now, if you're like me, I tend to read into the Bible, but I'll bet they ate another one of those sheep during that party. Anyway, uh, so he, he leaves the 99, he gets the one, he brings it back, they, they rejoice. Then he tells a story of a woman who had 10 coins, and they're gold coins, and she loses one. I don't know if you've ever lost anything, that sense of panic, like, the, like I don't know, I can just speak for myself, like the remote to the television. Anyway, uh, so you're looking all over for it, you finally find it, and that, that sense of like, oh, good. He, he's using that language. And then he goes into this parable, and he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, and they don't like the fact that Jesus is hanging out with sinners. They don't like the fact that Jesus is hanging out with the people they would call unclean. They had a certain group. There was an in crowd and there was the out crowd and Jesus shouldn't have been hanging out with the out crowd. And so Jesus, will pick this up in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and this will give you the heart of your heavenly Father towards you and to, towards those who uh, are in your circle of influence. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. If anyone needs to hear Jesus, it's sinners, right? That's, that's me. I need to hear what Jesus has to say. And so it's, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, okay? You ever mutter? It's never good when you mutter. I've never heard anyone mutter something good. You always mutter something bad. They muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To which Jesus is like, yeah, that's, that's what I do. So Jesus turns it all upside down like Jesus does. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Now, in this particular time uh, and antiquity, uh, to have two sons was a really great blessing. Having children was a huge blessing, mostly uh, because they, you worked land or you worked something, and so the kids you had was basically free labor. Not so much anymore. Now they're going to cost you about $750,000. But back then, they were free labor. And so he has two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. To which the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were like, he did what? This was so disrespectful. This was like going to your parents who've worked their whole lives and going, I cannot wait for you to die so I can get some of your stuff. That's what it was like, right? I actually know a couple who didn't do any savings, didn't do anything, racked up a whole bunch of uh, credit card debt, um, and they said to me, well, my parents are going to die and they have a lot of money, so we'll just, we'll just kind of like cover everything back then. To which I said, you know you said that out loud, right? right? Uh, right? I'm like, you know you're talking right now. Like, I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, and so they didn't, they didn't care. And, and to their defense, uh, their parents died and they got a lot of money. So apparently it works. But he says, before they're dead, hey, could you 
I, I can't wait for you to die. I need to live my life now. To which the Pharisees are like, you got to be kidding me. I, I've got to see where this story goes. So the father does it. Listen, the father allowed the son to act the fool for a time. The father allowed the son to make decisions that were, we'll see, spoiler alert, will end up being harmful to the son. Oftentimes, our heavenly father does the exact same thing. Some of us have difficulty in our lives because it's just life, and we live in a broken world and with broken people in it. Some of us have issues in our life, and you know what they are, and when they started, that it's kind of on you. It's kind of on me. I, I created those, those problems, right? Either way, we have the same Heavenly Father. So he divides his property between them and says, all right, big boy, go. Go ahead and take it. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, which means he sold the property that was in the family for generations, most likely, right? And the Pharisees are pulling their hair out, uh, got all together, and he set off for a distant country. He left Israel. That means, by definition, the country he went to is unclean. So he disrespects his dad, sells property that was probably in the family for many, many generations, goes to a distant country, unclean country, right? And squandered his wealth in wild living, which was, we can kind of draw conclusions, would have been unclean living as well. He was not following the Torah. In, you don't follow the Torah and your life is described as wild living, okay? It might be bizarre living to, for us now, but for then, it wasn't wild. And so we kind of get this thing. So the Pharisees are like, oh, yeah, looking at all the tax collectors and sinners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's talking about you guys, okay? So after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. So now the Pharisees are like, this is what happens when you don't do what God says. You get judged, disrespect your parents. You're supposed to honor your father and mother. It's in the Torah. You didn't do that. This is what happens. And he began to be in need. Now, let me just talk to anybody here in my voice or watching online. This might be where you're at right now. You've been trying to live your life the way you thought, the way it was modeled to you, not even your fault. You were just modeled that this is what we do on the weekends or this is how we live our life or this is how we spend our money. And you've just gone on for no fault of your own. You just don't know. It was modeled for you. For some of you, you knew better. <laughs> and so you went off and kind of thought, well, let's see what happens. And you became in need. Everybody I know, myself included, comes to this part in their life when they reach out to their heavenly father there's a time in need maybe it's an addiction maybe it's a, 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 a something that happened outside of your control or whatever we say man you know what i don't make a very good god for myself i don't make the best decisions for myself and this is where this guy was but it gets worse so he hires himself out he tries to fix it you ever do that? Your first time in need, what do you do? Well, I'll just take a loan out. Yeah, I'm going to fix it. Well, I'll just quit that job, or I'll just, I'll just medicate. 
You know, I just, I feel better when I medicate, and so I'll just medicate. And so he tries to fix it. He says, oh, there's a famine. I lost everything. Oh, that must have been so, that feeling of loss. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, an unclean Gentile. The Pharisees are listening to this story, going, you got to be kidding me. This guy, he's so unclean, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Jesus is now just playing with the Pharisees. <laughs> he's just like, it's like talking to somebody and saying, not only are they a Raider fan, right? <laughs> but they got a Raider tattoo, right? Okay, I'm just playing, Jeremy. Okay, right? So, so and Mark, and all you other criminals. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> So, right, so he's just, he's just, pour, Jesus is just pouring it on because he wants the response we're all getting right now, right? It's just like, what, what, what? You ever had someone tell you a story like that? And you're like, they did what? Oh, they, this is exactly what's happening with the Pharisees. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. This is so unclean. Oh, my goodness. But no one gave him anything. And they're like, yes, good. And then Jesus says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses. You ever been running from God? You're running, running, running. You have a theology or you have a thing or you know better or that was for your parents and you're smarter. You went to college. They didn't go to college. You learned all these things. And, you know, you, you, you're gonna, you know, why do we even have this and that? And you're, you're super smart. And we all get it. I, I, I've had this too where I just, I just came to the realization that my parents don't know anything in life and I'm way smarter than them. And then <laughs> I came to my senses. Something happened where my ability to be God for myself fell short. It wasn't working the way it had worked. Money wasn't solving my problems. Uh, being smart or whatever I thought it was, or athletic or whatever, those weren't working for me anymore. This is the idea of we come to our senses. Remember, he first became in need. So he tries to fix the need. That's step one as we enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Then we come to our senses and go, I got nothing. I got nothing, and that's where he's at. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I'm here starving to death? Notice what he does. He goes to the heart of his Heavenly Father. His Heavenly Father, I mean his Father, his Father took care of even the servants. Isn't that sweet? You see, like, he, he didn't just abuse his servants or whatever. He, he made sure they were not only fed, they had food to spare. You can kind of see that for, for just in terms of spiritual language, the kingdom in which this father reigned, he was just and good and fair. So he says, I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back. And here's what he says. This is his plan. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. The Pharisees right now are just like, no, no way. You can't come back after that, after that kind of disrespect and that uncleanliness. You can't go back to your father. You need to go, you need to, go to the temple, make sacrifices. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called 
your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That's all, that's all I want. This is what he rehearsed. This is the idea that he has. I'm just going to go back. Maybe for some of you, you've lived through a decade of your life, and it's been a waste. You've wasted it. You thought you were doing the right thing, or you didn't, you know you were doing the wrong thing, or whatever, and you think, if I can just go back to God and just say, please forgive me, I just, I just want to reset. This is what this guy's doing. I'll just go back, just, just make, just, I just want this season, this chapter of my life to be over. So he got up. Let me tell you something. The first thing for any change in your life, no matter what it is, is to get up, right? You, you want to get healthy? You want to go to the gym? What do you got to do? You got to get up off the couch, right? As hard as it is, you got to get up out of bed. Maybe it's to have a quiet time, like we talked about, the rhythms of rooted, and one of them is daily devotion, and you're like, okay, in the morning, I'm going to be with God. I need to get up. For some of us, we have relationships that are fractured, and we're not going to talk to that person because they wounded us or injured us. The way that relationship gets restored, you got to get up. You got to make a phone call. You got to send an email. You got to do something. There's this proactive nature as we reconnect with our Heavenly Father. He got up, and he went to his father. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, now this is the heart of the heavenly father, and this is where the Pharisees would go, no way. There is no way our God would do that. There's no way a father would do that after this kind of disrespect. He was a long way off. His father saw him, was filled with compassion, and he ran to his son. At this particular time in history, Men did not run, okay? That was shame. That was like you, kids ran. Men, the patriarch of the family was stoic, was in control. Other people ran for him. Other people did things. But the, you wouldn't have a man just lift up his robe and then just start running. Now, pay attention, please. This so we understand, is Jesus' description of your heavenly Father. This comes from Jesus. Jesus made this story up. That's how important it was for him to get this across. Not just to the Pharisees and Sadducees, but to those tax collectors and those sinners and those who were far off. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son, if you look at the two passages of what we read earlier in this, they're exactly identical. He had memorized this speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then he begins to lay into the next part of what he memorized. But the father interrupts him. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. This is the heart of your heavenly father. This, is, this parable describes 
God. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> that's for older people, by the way, all you young people. Meanwhile, the older son was in a field and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, right? So he, he's coming in, he's been working for his dad all this time, sweaty, everything, and he hear, listens to the house, everybody dance now. Mm, 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 mm. He's kind of like, oh man, this is cool, what's going on? So um, it probably wasn't that song, but uh, he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? And the servant says, oh man, it's so exciting. Your brother's come, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother was so happy for his younger brother. He was like, I'm so glad he's back. <laughs> so glad he sold half of the estate and that it just, he squandered it. And, you know, oh, praise God. Another soul back to God. Yes, this is great. The older brother became angry. Why? Because the, listen, the father was not performing the way the brother thinks the father should be performing. Right? It's not, you see where I'm going? Oftentimes, oftentimes, most of the time, maybe all the time, God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your ways. He doesn't perform for you. He doesn't perform for me. But he is filled with compassion. And he does, when you just make the little step to get up and come to your heavenly father, he runs towards you. He, we just sang about it, when heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, right? My heart turns violently inside of my chest. There's this relationship. So his father went out and pleaded with the son. Bro, not to act like this. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. <laughs> I just know way too many Christians. And never, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Mm. That's for anyone who's had children. But this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, okay, did we ever read about prostitutes before? It was just wild living. The son said prostitutes, right? So he's got his own thing about what's going on. Comes home and you killed a fatted calf for him. The father says, you idiot. No, he says this. My son, you're always with me. In other words, don't you get what you get? Don't you get what you have? Don't you understand your life? And how blessed and rich it is because you have a relationship with me. Don't you get that? The older son is showing just as much disrespect to the father as the younger son. Don't you understand what you have? A relationship with your father who's taking care of all your needs. You're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, you're not going to just dismiss him. He's your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. That's the heart of your heavenly father. As you go through, as Tanner comes back up and 
We're going to end with one song that he's going to basically, the, the, the worship team will be singing over us. You can join if you'd like, but basically the song is a blessing that goes out to you, much like the blessing of a father, which would bless his children. This is the heart of your father. And you say, well, how, how can I really understand what God is like? How can I understand how he'd act in certain situations and what he'd do and, and how much he loves me? How would I know that? Hebrews tells you exactly who your heavenly father is and gives you the perfect example of what God is like. Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, in other words, he came down and died for you so that when you come to your senses, you can go to your heavenly Father through the blood of Jesus and be restored, be celebrated, be redeemed. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. If you feel like you've wandered from God, that you've, maybe, maybe for you, you've never even thought, like, Someone invited you to church or invited you to watch online or shared this sermon with, with you and you're like, I don't know anything about God. This is who God is. It's manifested in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Your Heavenly Father has a heart of compassion towards you. And so He gives you the opportunity to come to your senses and to just, it's very simple. You just say, God, I, it's not working for me, me being God in my own life. I stumble and I fall and I mess up and I sin and I go after my own things and I medicate and I do all these different things. Would you forgive me of that? Would you just ex receive me into your family as a son or a daughter? And we just, pray that. We say, Jesus, would you just be Lord of my life? Let me come under the authority of a God whose ways are higher than our ways, and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we're going to, as I mentioned, Tanner's going to sing this song. It's a song of blessing. And so maybe for some of you, you just want to sit and receive that song as though your heavenly Father were blessing you. For others, you might want to pray that prayer during that time and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I, I'm tired of doing this on my own. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Would you be King? You do that. Some of you might want to come to the altar or the stage and just kneel. We have, we have pillows down here to, so that you can kneel and just as a posture of humility. Maybe you pray for something else, your family or a broken relationship. We'll have people at the cross right over here that if you want someone to pray for you specifically, maybe for healing or for, uh, maybe you're just, you just need strength to get through this week. We'll do that as well. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you were faithful, that you showed us who your father is and that you provided a way for us to have a relationship with him, that we could come to our senses, that we could get up and we could come home 
to where we're supposed to be. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace, in his strength, and in his compassion. In Jesus' name, amen.